listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City Engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. It takes all of us to improve our stormwater system. It certainly is a total team effort. But if you have someone like the late Roger Bannerman leading the way through hard work and dedication, the difference for the community is huge. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer, and here to tell us more about Roger, his work, and how it's making an impact on all of us is someone who knows him best. Jane Bannerman, Roger's wife. And we're also joined by stormwater engineer Phil Gabler from the City of Madison Engineering Division. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. This is, a, this is going to be a wonderful way to, to, to learn more about Roger. Roger was definitely known in the stormwater community here in the City of Madison. But for those who may not know him or his work, can you share a little bit more about Roger, Jane? Sure. Um, Roger uh, worked for the DNR for 40 years. And uh, when he retired, he worked for the USGS for a while, and then he continued as a volunteer. So um, he was actually working some last year. (laughs) Um, And he was passionate about his work. He started out, I believe, in, um, like, er er agricultural runoff, and then eventually um, sort of transitioned, or I don't know why, but went into um, non-point source pollution and really urban runoff. Wow. And and when you say passionate, <laughs> passionate, yeah. Like what do you mean by that? How, how can you kind of explain that a little bit further? Sure. Um Roger uh, first of all, Roger loved his work. When when we retired, I took a class at MATC and we were asked, you know, do you love your job? And he wasn't at the class because he was too busy. But when I came home and and just so you know, 30 people out of 30 people, two of us raised our hands. So not everyone loves their job. Sure. <laughs> so he um, he said, absolutely, I love my job. I, I love what I do. And he loved working with people, lots of groups. And that was his real strength is uh, to try to bring in other partners. Um, you know, when he had an idea, he would, he would try to figure out who could he get to work with him and um, was very good at it. Um, and so um, he was interested in all the aspects of water uh, management. So salt leaves, um, rain gardens, whatever, whatever was out there he was interested in. And, of course, now that we have new, new problems, and he was hearing from USGS staff about um, their, what they call FAFSAs. Uh, the PFAFs. PFAFs. Yes. Um, he was just starting to learn about that, but that was kind of the next challenge right. for, for water. And so he was always interested in how to engage people and how to um, educate. And I think that's the wonderful thing about a lot of his projects um, that he got involved in was education, mm-hmm. whether it was salt and educating people who apl- uh, apply uh, salt to our streets mm-hmm. or whether it was rain gardens where you, you teach people about – the wonderful thing about rain gardens is you're actually teaching people about the water cycle and what happens to our water, which – most of us don't really know. and But you're doing it in a context of building a rain garden. And so it's just kind of a natural thing. And you sort of get a chance to explain to people, you know, it's really bad when all this dirty water goes into our lakes. 
and causes issues and flooding and so forth, which mm -hmm. has been a big issue in Madison. Absolutely. So his career has really been about partnerships and about um, uh, speaking to people, lots of talks, um, lots and lots of talks and on lots of different subjects. Um, and a lot to just ordinary people like um, garden clubs, master gardeners, um, people who are just interested in learning more about the environment. Sure. And working with a lot of people, people like Phil. Yeah. Phil, you worked with Roger. I did. I worked with Roger quite a bit. So he was on the Friends of Lake Wingra, and we met with them quarterly my entire tenure here. And out of that came the leaf study that we did with USGS. And a lot of the salt work that I then worked to develop the City of Madison Salt Certification Program and, and that collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started, I honestly had no idea that salt was an issue at all. Like sure. Masters in water resource engineering. Never thought about salt ever. And he opened my eyes to it. And I was like, whoa, this is a huge issue. That Roger need, did. Roger did. That you need to get ahead of. And then the leaf study, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Leaves are a little bit of an issue, but we pick them up. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. They're only there for two months. And then you look at the data and you see, oh, well, two months is half of the phosphorus load from the city of Madison for the whole year. Mm -hmm. And it's all from leaves just on the street. And we talk about, you know, passion of your, your job and do you like your job. The day that we got the data from our leaf study, it was just like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> it was so cool to see, like, whoa, like... It's, it was just so excited. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it's, um, it's really it's amazing when you see people with passion coming together, and it really puts a human take on what we do and the impact Roger really has. Right. And, you know, being someone who um, I I didn't get to I didn't get to meet Roger, but what's fantastic is is learning about his passion. It radiates through everyone. I mean, it really does, and it's really touching. And you don't think of that when you think of stormwater <laughs> at <laughs> all. Like you think of waterworks in in a in a human form, but it sure is. Um, I think that we all feel it, even in this room, as we talk about Roger, because. Um, He's like when you talk about impact and and truly loving what you do, and how important that is when it comes to connecting with engineers like Phil, who is the salt man now, you know, and and that started with right. with some with a spark of passion um, from Roger, especially like it's pretty amazing to work with people who appreciate that. And you got to experience Roger in his full form right. all the time, you know. So I guess can you um, can can you share why he was so passionate? Why was it? What was it, Jane? Well, I, I think part of it is that he loves he loves being outdoors. He loves nature. I mean, uh, we kind of always said in our marriage, we don't go to concerts, etc. We go camping. We go hiking, and we go camping at the Boundary Waters, mm -hmm. and we go hike in the Arboretum, and we go uh, canoe on the lakes. And so we're really outdoors is our is our entertainment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, Roger was very passionate about outdoors and about nature mm -hmm. and enjoyed being in nature. And so I think all of his work was really how do we, how do we make um, our city environment, um, the watershed, healthier mm -hmm. and make it better for people to enjoy outdoors. <clears throat> and I think he was always looking at 
um, ways to engage with people, ways to engage, um, and ways to show them, uh, educate them, and to share with them. Um, one of his projects uh, out at Lake Wingra, he, he was, um, we had some Edgewood students, and so Roger's telling them all about, you know, Lake Wingra and various things about it, and he loved to talk to, like, you know, kids, you know, mm-hmm. this, these were like seventh, sixth and seventh graders. And so he, I think they even could pick up, you know, his passion of he's really into it. And I think that's, um, you know, and he didn't care who he was talking to. For example, with the SALT project, he was very excited about um, helping the people who actually apply the SALT to get more training because they're critical. Mm-hmm. They're, that's, they're the people who are applying all the SALT. Mm-hmm. And if, if they're trained... And they don't want to waste. They they once they understand the issue, and you train them on how to do it. How can I calibrate my my machine that's going to put the salt out so that it doesn't put too much? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, obviously we need to put salt down, but we can do it in a, in a better way. And then even that other project, I've forgotten what it's called, the um, pre salting or whatever it's got a uh, pre-wetting or uh anti-icing where you put anti-icing. The brine, you put the brine down ahead of time right putting the anti-icing sure i mean he was very excited about that so we drive out before a storm and like oh they're anti-icing you know? <laughs> because again that helps us yeah. um and again you know trying to, i mean part of the problem is that people's expectations have gotten crazy you know it we we want there to be a storm and then we want this pavement to be completely clean mm-hmm. and that's just not possible and mm-hmm. you know that leads then to huge amounts of salt being used to make it completely clean. So mm-hmm. you have to, part of it is education. Again, educating people, salt is really bad. I mean, we've lost a number of um, wells in, I think, at least one in Madison, right, because of high salt. I, th- I think we have one that is, is edging up towards the, th- the taste threshold. Sure. So with that, it's one where... We're Decisions careful. are going to have to be made. Do you do you blend that away? Yeah. Do you change the well? Do you abandon the well? And that's, it's those are not inexpensive decisions, right? right? And it's that cumulative impact of everyone saying, "Well, eh, my little bit of salt doesn't make that much of a difference." Right? Yeah, because we get our we get our water from the well from mm-hmm. a well, and sure. it's very deep, mm-hmm. but still it can be contaminated. So. Again, I think that's. I think his passion came from, and he was interested in all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, he really was. He was really. He, you know, whatever the next big thing was, um, we with the leaf project. We we ourselves for that project were driving around, um, making calculations as to how many leaves there were in the streets. There was a system that he developed. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had students from the Badger volunteers coming in actually gathering all the leaves and then weighing them so that we could see, okay, what, how many leaves are a five, how many leaves are a four, how many leaves are a three, and, you know, hoping that no one was going to call the police on us as we drove down the street, <laughs> you know, to, to, you know. And then my job was to drive while Roger was on the computer, you know, putting the numbers down. Um, yeah. You know, so we, we were very involved in all those projects. You know, it sounds like you also are an expert in all of this a little bit, Jane. You yeah, a little up, bit, yeah. a little bit. I'm yeah. certainly not where Roger was, but you can't help but pick it up as you're driving down the street, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and you didn't even get an engineering vest, which helps the police not get called. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, I only had the police called me once, and I was promptly reminded by the police officer, I should be wearing my vest. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Of course, yes, yes. But this is good because it just shows, it just shows 
you know, again, what you were saying too, Phil, like a kid in a candy store, like why is that important from like an engineering perspective? And I think um, that we often, we sit in all these meetings and we talk about all these technical things and we, you know, we talk about, oh, we work with these people and we, you know, but like the human aspect, that layer of like truly caring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm gathering is that he really cared. He really did. Well, and I also think the idea of like when he was working on the LEAF project, he, it was very important to him. One, one of the years we did it, we handed out um, bags for people to uh, bag their leaves to see what effect that would have. And as we handed those out, you know, we would stop and talk to neighbors about the project. And he loved doing that, you know, mm-hmm. explaining what's going on, why are we doing this, um, you know, et cetera. And, and that was an important part is, is educating people. And actually, I think like our neighbors <laughs> on our block, you know, they see us. We sweep the curb, you know, <laughs> we literally sweep our curb. You're those it, neighbors. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we, we, and our leaves are on our grass and we don't put stuff in the driveway and, um, and our downspouts are not facing our neighbor, you know. <laughs> and when we had the big storm in 2018, mm-hmm. we had no flooding. And there were people on our block who shouldn't have had flooding because we live at, we live like high. We're mm-hmm. at the top of the hill. They had flooding because mm-hmm. their neighbor was mm-hmm. aiming their downspout right at their basement. Mm-hmm. Or one of the neighbors uh, decided to circumvent the system where the water went through all the backyards, and he built a berm, mm-hmm. which is like a mound, and mm-hmm. he stopped it. And so all the water stopped at his house and went in his basement. <sighs> So that was kind of a mistake. Yeah. But people don't realize, they don't understand how the system works. Sure. So it's really, I think he was really big on educating, 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 and modeling. So we built our first rain garden in um, 1999. Mm-hmm. And right away, he started, they started having, like, tours where people could come and see different rain gardens. And so he loved to, you know, show the rain garden, explain how it was working, and show mm-hmm. the downspout and, you know, the little way to the water got in there and how you figured it out and just talking to people. And then two years later, we built um, three more. Mm-hmm. So we have two big rain gardens in the backyard and then what's called a turf rain garden where it's just a depression and it's grass, sure. but the water collects there. And so that helps, again, to hold the water back so it's not all rushing down to our neighbor's basement. (laughs) Yes, of course. And that is exactly why I wanted to bring it to Phil also is, you know, we've named our rain garden program now after Roger, Roger Bannerman Rain Garden Initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, We are very proud to do that. Um, Can you share a little bit more about that and just anything else that you want to add to what Jane just mentioned, Phil? Yeah, so... The Rain Garden Initiative, the Roger Bannerman Rain Garden Initiative, yes. really is about you know helping residents that want a rain garden hit the easy button in a lot of ways, right? We're doing a street reconstruction project. We're going to rip up the road. We're going to rip up the curb. We're going to have equipment there mm-hmm. for a very, very small fee, $100, which doesn't even fully cover the price of the plants. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get a professionally built rain garden in your terrace. That's the area between the sidewalk and your curb. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that low cost of $100 comes with a few strings, and that is you have to maintain it, right? So if you enjoy gardening and like to do that, it's a great way to get a rain garden that takes pretty dirty water off the street, filters it, soaks it back into the ground. And, you know, we've had a lot of success with that program, right? Mm-hmm. The, a big project last year in the Westmoreland neighborhood, we had 14 rain gardens go in. 
Yeah. And then a fair amount of the turf rain gardens that you talked about, which, yeah, you know, don't take water from the street, but basically hold that water that falls on it so it doesn't run off. And we tried a whole bunch of other things over there. With, you know, naming this the Roger Bannerman Initiative, right? It's because Roger and my predecessor really started this. They got a grant from the EPA, and they, they worked to put a bunch of these in on Adams Street in, in Madison. And, you know, this is a pretty unique program nationwide in that we're doing it to, to better the water quality of the city. We aren't under a legal requirement to do so. It's all pretty altruistic. And that's kind of a special program to have. Mm-hmm. And it's it just it's very fitting that it's named after Roger. And I think there's a lot of good we can do with his volunteer approach. Mm-hmm. We also have a pilot study going on in the Westmoreland area that is, you know, working to hopefully expand the initiative. And here we're working with private residents to say, you know, if you go through the effort to learn how to build a rain garden and construct it and or other stormwater management stuff on your site, you can get a rebate from the city, mm-hmm. which has gone a long way to spark some interest because not all this stuff is inexpensive. And we found that there's a lot of education that needs to happen, right? We do workshops and, you know, learning how to not cause a problem is is a big step. In this. <laughs> yes. So... It's been it's been good, mm-hmm. going out and trying to help homeowners troubleshoot and view their drainage and see their part in the system and you know then talk about plants and you know everyone has their different level of interest right some people are really plant people yeah they're very excited about specific plants and how do you create the right ecosystem for those plants is a fun little side puzzle <laughs> and then sometimes you're like well I think. Your yard may not be the best one for a rain garden because there's these other issues of high groundwater or a drainage issue that is really beyond the scope of your average homeowner with a shovel to solve. Mm-hmm. All of these things, including you know all these resources, obviously your brain's a resource, um, but the rain garden manual, and that was also, um, that's a huge resource. It's also on our engineering website during the, um, in the stormwater section, or if you just Google Rain Gardens, Roger Bannerman Rain Garden Initiative, um, it'll bring you to our site. Um, but he had a huge impact on that rain garden manual that's used. Can you speak to that? Yes, I, don't, I, I can. Don't. So sure. <laughs> um, the original, there was an original rain garden manual that Roger wrote with um, some other extension people. And um, they decided, I can't remember if it was last year, or I guess maybe two years ago, they decided to update it. So they asked a lot of landscape people to help them, and some some, land, some local landscapers helped. And a number of, it was a whole committee. And this whole committee um, updated and, and uh, revised the Rain Garden Manual. So it was put out by the DNR. Mm-hmm. And um, it basically tells people all the information they need to to, to make to make a rain garden, and the the neat thing about the new one I just looked at it this morning is that it actually suggests plants and gives you pictures of the plants, so you have an actual, which helps yes, which especially helps if you don't know anything about it. Yeah, yes. I mean I think the old one just I think listed plants, but this one actually has a picture, which is for those like I'm not a big plant person. I've learned a lot from our rain gardens. Like we have cup plants in our rain garden, which are 
people don't know that plant. It's a very tall plant. It grows like six feet, eight feet tall, and it has a very large leaf with a little cup at the at, by the stalk, and so that's why it's called a cup plant. It has a big yellow uh, flower, and the uh, the chipmunks, etc., love to eat the seeds. Um, you know, when the flower is done, and it's a it has very very deep roots, and it's very um, uh, a very very good solid plant for a rain garden if you like a big tall plant, which we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've learned a lot of just by the things that we planted. And um, and I'm not a big plant person, so <laughs> so um, I was just telling Phil earlier that um, the first rain gardens we made, some of the people we asked the garden people, they didn't really know about rain gardens, and so they wanted to put in things like sedges, which are uh, plants that like wet feet. But a rain garden doesn't stay wet because you don't want that. You don't want a wet area in your yard. Mm-hmm. Basically what happens, it rains, the rain garden fills up. That's the way it should work. And then very quickly, it will. the water disappears. Mm-hmm. So there's no water left. It's always dry mm-hmm. except for those storms. And it really infiltrates well because all these plants have these deep roots which help the soil, um, as, he, as Phil was talking about soil, um, a lot of soil where I live, it's very clay, very hard soil, and so the plants really just go with all those little roots to make all these little um, avenues for the water to get down into the water table. Mm-hmm. Huge, so. huge impact that rain gardens can have. Absolutely. And I think yes. the idea of having lots of rain gardens is one that Roger really is, was, was excited about, and this is a wonderful way to t- try to work on that because his thought was, again, it's not going to solve our flooding totally, mm-hmm. but if you have more rain gardens, you have less water. Mm-hmm. it's holding back water and that's what we need to do we don't want all this water rushing down the street and into the lakes and so forth we want to hold it back and it's a really good technique for holding back water i think um huge huge part of this roger bannerman rain garden initiative is the resources it gets back to the education it gets back to the manuals the how to's the how to cut costs but help the environment how to be a part of you know you know your community and being a good watershed steward um all of that is on our website um as we kind of wrap up here we are depending on when you're listening to this podcast um by the time you hear it there is a rain garden dedicated in Roger's name on the corner of Fox Avenue and Sheldon Street right next to the Southwest Commuter Bike Path here in the city of Madison. So next time you walk or ride by, you know, maybe think of Roger or start your own rain garden. Um, help us reach our 1,000 rain garden goal here in the city. Also, again, part of the initiative. Um, as we wrap up here um, and and reflect on his instrumental stormwater work, um, anything else you want to share about Roger, um, how he's impacted our community, or anything else you want people to know? Sure. Um, he was on the uh, one of the um, city committees, I think it was Committee on the Environment, and one of the other things I was noticing that he worked on was um, coal tar, uh, putting that down on, on driveways. He had done some a lot of research and discovered that, that this is really nasty, awful stuff, and so it's now banned in the city of Madison, you can't put that on your driveway. And that's something that was an important thing to ban because it it has a lot of um, very poor for the environment ingredients. Mm -hmm. And there are other ways to do driveways in that. 
So um, I think, again, he was always looking for issues that were simple. That was kind of a simple one. This is a really bad stuff. Let's ban it. Mm -hmm. and, and the city agreed and did it. So with, obviously with lots of education and research. Anything else you want to add, Phil? Um, how important his passion, I think, is, is, the, is the headline of everything that he does um, and what he cared about. And I think um, a lot of things that you do in engineering also really reminds me of everything that, you know, Roger does is the passion that you actually care and that you have enthusiasm about this. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I really do think um, what you do matters and how you share about um, typically boring things like leaves and salt and um, anything you'd like to to share about, you know, Roger or his passion or how it's really impacted you in the work you do for our community. I think a lot of it is that if none of this stuff is boring, it's only boring if you don't care how it works. Mm -hmm. And I think that Roger did an amazing job of taking something that people are like, oh, well, I don't understand that. Like, no, here's, let's break it down. Like, here's how... Here's how the salt impacts these things that you, you might care about. Right? If you care about fishing, you care about the little bugs in the lake. And little bugs are impacted by the salt. Mm -hmm. And here's how that happens. If you care about street flooding or you care about flooding in the lakes or algae in the lake, here's why a rain garden makes a kind of huge impact with minimal effort. right? And it just takes these... These little nudges and changing the way that we view a lawn, right? Like, why do we care about green grass? Right? Why is that better than a rain garden? It's not. It's just our society's perception that we should have something neat and tidy. And where that came from, I don't know. But it exists. There's ways to change the way that we interact with the world that are very, very positive and give space for other things. That's kind of... I think if we look at it that way, these topics that might feel boring, stormwater management and getting shoveling the sidewalk, right? Mm -hmm. they, aren't, they aren't boring anymore. You, you, you think about their impact while you're doing them, and it, it feels bigger than the effort. Absolutely. What a wonderful time this morning, speaking with both of you, learning more about Roger. Um, any last things you want to mention, Jane? You can have the final word. Well, I would just say that I think um, the key to all of Roger's success, honestly, was collaboration, working with others. He really enjoyed working with people all over the state um, and with people in other parts of the country and just, you know, educating and learning and, um, uh, you know, uh, working on these issues of clean water. I was very, he was really passionate about clean water. Well, thank you. Thank you, um, both of you. Um, Roger left us in October of 2020. His work was instrumental in the stormwater community today and obviously for many years to come. Thank you for sharing so much about Roger. Um, if you want to learn more about the Roger Bannerman Rain Garden Initiative and really reap all the benefit of his work and his publications and his manuals and all of the things that he's in had such a hand in, um, head over to the cityofmadison.com slash engineering website or just Google Roger Bannerman. You will see plenty of things pop up about his work. Um, very impressive, very helpful, and hopefully you can have um, 
a little spark of interest in stormwater, um, just a hair of what Roger really put his life toward. So thank you both for being with us. Thank you for listening. Um, again, we are always here for you every day in engineering.